0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, church. Lovely to be in the presence of God. I'm sure we are all delighted to be in the presence of God. Um. Something that God has put into my heart over the past few weeks is really, um, I think... I'm thankful for the, 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 the course we are going to run, but it's around a strong sense of discipleship, a strong sense around, you know, there are certain questions that we do ask ourselves when we come to know Jesus, um, how to follow him, the best way to follow him. Um, there is a concept in the world that is called optimization. It's just a concept that says there is a way to, or a formula, a set of ways to bring the best out of a certain number of parameters, right? And um, when it comes to Christianity we don't always understand why do we need to actually function optimally for god we struggle because we are looking probably more inwardly than outwardly we struggle because we are in a world that have so many moving targets and then we are finding ourselves in the midst and it can be quite you know strange and not necessarily um, you know easy to understand what we ought to do it's never been something that was not in the forefront of God, God's mind. He created us, and he created us for a good, his good pleasure. The Bible says that He is the one who has called us, isn't it? And I believe that as we sit today, we need, first of all, to understand and to be confident that we are the called of Jesus. Amen? So today I want to talk about... Um, What we have titled it Light Bearers, and apologies if I don't pronounce it properly, Light Bearers. And essentially is really a journey on how to stand out from the crowd as Christians. Um, Because we are called to stand out of the crowd. We are called to excel. We are called to push and to move forward no matter what, until that time that Jesus calls us back. And the excerpt is taken from the book of Matthew. So, if you, you will please open your Bible to the book of Matthew, we'll be reading chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. So, that is a scripture that I believe is um, well known by by us. We've heard about it so many times. Um, but let's try to see what God wants to bring out of, of that. Okay, so, Matthew 5 fourteen is saying you I think when you say when it says you you need to attribute it to yourself. You, me, Jean Louis, the Bible says you are the lights of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it on a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. That's the scripture that we are going to look at today. And um, well, I think I'm always at, I'm always a bit on ease when it comes to scriptures that we do quote. Very often, you know, there is a certain Christian jargon and certain scripture, we are all familiar with this. I am the light of the world. What does it mean, you know? We understand very much the concept. The application is probably a bit more difficult. Now, I want us to quickly go to Genesis 1, 1 to 3. I want to articulate something for you there. If we look at the book of Genesis 1, 1 to 3, there is a concept of light. So, verse 1 from Genesis Chapter 1 is saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and void and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Then 3 is telling us, then God says, let there be light. And there was light. If we continue to Genesis 1:13 to 16, then it says, so the evening and the morning and the third day, then God said, let there be light, plural, Let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for the signs and seasons and for days and years. Then he goes on saying, And let them be for light in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Now why am I actually bringing that? Light is a concept that is familiar from God. God is the one who has created light. God has created light not only because it was nice to have light. He created light because it was necessary to have light. God created light because he, being the greatest creator of all, he, being the all-powerful creator, felt there was darkness on the earth. That's from Genesis. At the very onset, before God started going on to doing the wonderful works of creation, including ourselves, God started with light. Right? He started with light, and he started with light to say, Hey, I want to remove the darkness, and I'm going to operate within that setting. So God defines the framework within which he wants to operate. Because he knows is the optimal way by which he can operate. I'm not saying God cannot operate within darkness, but I'm saying he wanted light to be there. And after light started creating, and you can go to Genesis and you see the beautiful works of creation that God did. And I think that's where there is a problem with us. Because we, before we come into the contact with Jesus Christ, we operate in a world that is in darkness. We operate in a world that is lost, a world of perdition, a world that is not having any more any identity, a world that struggles with the recognition that it needs light. And that's where we start off. This, for me, when I look at Genesis, is really fundamentally suggesting that the light is needed for any type of work. Now, let me take you back. Ask a painter to do any kind of artwork. You give him a palette, you give him a board to do his thing on, and then you put him in a room, you switch off the light. Ask him to deliver a piece of work, even if he's the best painter that they've ever been, he's not going to do anything better than my three-year-old. Because it's going to be disastrous. Why? Because he cannot see what he's going to write on. He cannot choose the colors. And if he's somebody who likes doing portraits, he cannot see what you want to reflect on the, on the drawing. So ultimately, the work is void. It's not fit for purpose. Right? Similarly, God knows that there is work to be done. And for that work to be done, Needs us, and that's where we come into play. And then when we think that we are not necessarily the people that God can use or wants to use, that's where I think we go wrong, because the Bible says that we have indeed in this earthen vessel the excellence of the power of God to be able to fulfil our our, our our calling, and that's very interesting. So God made that light because it needs work to be done, and Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, needs us to go into the world as light in the world that is in darkness. Make no mistake, the world is in darkness. If you want to reinvent your world, then probably look into the scripture and understand that the world in which we live is in darkness. That is a fact. It's not a theory. It's not an assumption. It is a godly Given fact, so from that perspective, we come, we come onto the scene, because what light does is that it does remove darkness. What light does, it brings clarity and it helps us to see better. Then also, it has a strong psychological effect, and that's very important. Never underestimate what we call the psychology of light. Because it helps to break the barriers. It helps to change the dynamics of things. Now, if you look at a survey that was recently made, I mean, it's something that people would do building work. They like to do these surveys. The people would try to recruit the best people and have optimal workers. They always do that. Is They made a survey to compare two sets of workers. One, they put them in... Offices, if you want, that were uh, bright and the light, daylight was coming from everywhere. And other workers, they put them in offices that were a bit somber, not really, uh, you know, light the, light. the daylight was not filtering through. And they tried to assess the efficiency of the worker. They tried to assess qualitative elements of the workforce. How were they relating to one another? How were they interacting? How were they uh, doing their work? they found, surprisingly enough, that those workers that were in these dark offices were underperforming, only because they were in conditions that were not fit for their work to be carried out. But those, although maybe less clever, of the workers that were in the clear offices and the bright offices were always better. They were getting along with one another. There were less issues with staff. They were actually always willing to, and they were really joyful. That's a survey that was carried between the same type of workforce in two different environments. So what it tells me is that the environment in which we are needs to be a reset to have the light. And we as Christians are the carriers and the bearers of that light of God. God has given us something... To really hold on to. Jesus came into this world and said, I am the light of the world. That's the baseline by which he started this ministry. I am the light of the world. It means the world is in darkness and I, I have come to give that light. I have come to give that salvation. I have come to open the eyes of the people who cannot see. I have come to make sure that I bring back the sheep to my father so that they can live with him in heaven for eternity. That's the purpose that which I've come for. And I can only do that which I have come to do if there is light, because I am bringing that light. If there is light, it means the spiritual light is not a physical light. It's a spiritual light that breaks the darkness, that puts to shame the works of the enemy, that declares the power of God, the creative power of God, and the the salvation of God in the lives of people. That's what Jesus Christ has done. Now, what is true also is Jesus Christ says that I am actually looking at bringing that light in a dark world. If you look at Job, Job 10.22 says something very specific about the way it translated. it. It says, a land as dark as darkness itself, as the shadow of death without any other, where even light is like darkness. Can you imagine it? That's the kind of, of place where Jesus has come to bring light. The world needs Jesus because he's the light of the world, as I said, and that's from John 8:12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but give, um, but uh, the light is like darkness. Sorry. Let me take it again. He, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, which I am bringing. Jesus needs us. He needs you, he needs me. And the fact that Jesus needs you and needs me is not because he cannot do things himself. It's because we are the soldiers of God. It's because we are people of his chosen generation, a chosen generation by God to do the work that he's left us to do. If we find ourselves today sitting in despair and thinking that we cannot be used by God, then we shouldn't be that chosen generation. A chosen generation is not only for the sake of being chosen, it's for the purpose of the works that he will be carrying out. So we are chosen generation, add to it for good works. It's not chosen generation for sitting down and watching Christianity happen. Or sitting down and calling ourselves Christians and not going on and doing that which God has asked us to do. I'm really encouraged because when you look at the church going on this, in this, one of the, the, the streets in Cambridge, one of the places in Cambridge, that is one of the dark, darkest in Cambridge. It's called strawberry, right? You say strawberry, strawberry fair, right? Uh, well, I, I think of strawberry, I think of sweetness, I think of things that are nice. Seriously, when you say strawberry fair, guys, be careful, don't come with me if you are not fit for that. I was wow, it's called strawberry, it's meant to be, bring flavor, right? I like strawberry cakes, I don't know about you, with cream on top, anyway. <laughs> the thing is, you, the church goes to a place that is that dark, because the church obeys one of the fundamental commandments that we are bringing that light into that dark world. It does it not because Pastor Phil, not because Joe, not because people are eloquent, but because they understand that this is the commission that God has given in Matthew 28, that we go into the world. When Christine walks into the hospital and the walls of the hospital and pray for people who are so desperate, who are in pain, or when people go and visit prisoners, ask the prisoners what darkness is about. Ask them, because they will tell you. Even if they are one of the nicest prisons around, with leather seats, with, um, you know, I don't know, air conditioning, or whatever you want, they are still in darkness. They are still in darkness. And people go and pray and lift up people uh, because there is a the love of God, because there is care, because there is willingness to be the vessels that God used. Well, you know why We are not all worthy, right? None of us is even worthy of being called children of God. And that we need to recognize, it's only by grace that we have been saved, only by grace that we are where we are today. And God wants us to do more than just hearing. It's good to hear the word, it's good to receive it, but then what do we do with it? And that's the question that James asked, what do we do with it? And the question I want to to, to, to really bring to, to, to your attention today is, how do we then go and shape our world? Not letting the world shape us, but how do we go and shape our world by bringing that light so I want to take an example, which thankfully to my brother Rob, we had the, the, we were able to discuss yesterday a few things. So if you look at yourself as being a fit athlete who is running for the Olympic on a race track that is a brand new race track, right? And with trainers that are actually the nicest one with the latest technology and shining bright. And you probably have the speed of OJ Simpson. I don't know, I should probably have chosen somebody else anyway. <laughs> let's assume that you can run, and let's just assume that you are fit. And then you are about to start your race, and then the master of that race comes and say, Hey, stop, Mr. Madame. Madam, I want you to give you a torch. I want you to be, give you a torch that is really a light. You know, think about Olympic torch. And that torch is meant to be bright and shining. You take that torch, run with it, And then let it get to this destination, still within the set time I'm giving you to run. You say, thank you, master, thank you, I will do that, certainly, and off you go. Now, we do know that the race is not necessarily uh, only how fast you are, it's also endurance, okay? But for those who are carrying things in their hands, you will know that you do not run with your hands up in the air. You run with your hands down and close to your body. In fact, the super athlete are taught the technique on bringing their hands closer to their body and having a certain position on the track to cut through the wind. But you are now having something to carry. It is a light. That's what God has asked you to do. That's what God has asked us to do. To carry him. He is the light. He's given it to us and he's asking us to run. That's what we are here for. So we run that race and we do not worry like some of the Olympians, whether that light is going to, you know, wither, whether the, the rain is going to come and the light will no longer be there. We do not worry about that light because the light is there. What we worry about is, are we fit athletes to carry that light and are we committed enough to run that race with that light, to bring that light where it's meant to be? Does it make sense? We are meant to take that light with purpose. Now, when you lift up your hand also, You know that you easily get tired. For those who worship with their hands up, you know that you can do that for one minute, two minutes. If the praise and worship team carries on for thirty minutes worship, you start putting your hands down. You prefer clapping, like me, because you can't actually lift your hands. Almost the the muscle will cry for help. Right? We are being asked to carry, no matter what, and we feel weak, and we feel tired and we feel exhausted, and we feel not worth it, and we feel that there's too much happening in our lives, so therefore, we feel we can't. And the Bible says we've been equipped for good works. So, he who has asked us to carry that light is telling us you are already equipped. How do we shape our world? We need to always stay focused on the King of Kings. We need to always stay focused on Jesus we need to understand the will of the master. Ephesians 5:17 tells us, understand, make sure you understand. You read, you, deep, 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 you do deep diving, but make sure you understand what the will of the Lord is. Because not doing so is akin to foolishness. We cannot be the light bearers. We cannot be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. If we do not understand, who is the one who sent us? So, I was watching a program last time. Um, is it Madame Secretary or something like this? It's, it's a program on TV. And essentially, they have ambassadors. The U.S., like any other countries have ambassadors in any other country. And then they give them strict instructions to go and deliver a message to foreign government. And one of the envoys went to deliver a message that was contrary to what was asked of him to try to create dissension between the countries and when the state found out they just cut him off because he was not fit for purpose what is the message that god wants us to deliver as his ambassadors is the message of life is the message of hope is a message of i am here for you is a message that brings back the relationship to God. That's the message that we are meant to carry out to the world. We are meant to carry that message with purpose, always forgetting about ourselves, forgetting whether we are eloquent to speak that message, but always we being purposeful to convey the message. And that's what Jesus has asked us to do. Carry that message through. Don't worry about what to say. Don't worry whether you feel weak. I'm there with you, and I will help you. Just bear that light, because you do not know how much difference you can make in the lives of people. Now, I tell you the secret. You and I have this in common: is that whenever we come out of our house, we get in touch with somebody, and because we get in touch with people, we've got the ability to influence that person. Be it neighbors co-workers, being shop assistant or where we are at Tesco, we have the ability to change our world. And Jesus Christ said, go into the world and change your world. He didn't say you need to travel in every single city of the world. He said your world is where you are and is where I've positioned you and is where you get in touch with other people. And these are the people I want you to influence one by one. I want you to be the light bearer in the lives of these people. I want you to tell them that I love them. I want I want you to tell them that there is hope. I want you to tell them that it is not as dark as they see the world to be. So we have that. You can say a hi or you decide not to say a hi. You can say God loves you or decide to keep God loves you message for yourself. But I think there is a purpose for why we are here. And to be light bearers means that we bring that light into the darkness. You know what? The Bible said? Jesus is that light and the darkness could not comprehend it because the darkness cannot comprehend the power of the light of God. It cannot. It cannot withstand it. It cannot fight against it. The light always pierces through. So the one who is telling us to go is really our master. And because he is... We know that we need to do it knowing that we believe him to be who he says that he is. He is the King of Kings, is the awesome, is the Almighty, is the everlasting, the all loving God, the all compassionate God, the most caring person, the most powerful person, and the one who is mighty to save. He is the one asking us to go out as a light bearer. So we are agent of change and that defines us. We are the agents of change that Jesus Christ uses. What are the challenges that we do face? Now, the challenges that we do face are primarily challenges that we impose on ourselves. So if you look at the slide, just, you know, the graphics, and it's a great graphic, you can see a hand holding a lamp. Now, if you take that hand as being the hand of God, the lamp connecting or touching is the power of God that makes this light shine, right? So what we are saying is that there is need for us to be connected to the source of power, to be able to bring light. You do not actually go to the switching off and on if it is not connected. If there is no light, if there is no connection, then you can switch off and on all day long. Nothing will happen. We need that connection with God. And I think the key secret for us individually is to be able to be connected with God every single day. We need to be connected with God so we understand that the current flows. We understand the instructions are clear. We understand the strength comes. We understand we are equipped and we are renewed in our mind and we are indeed encouraged irrespective of the darkness around because we are connected with God. And the first thing I will encourage you to do before being light bearers is first of all making sure that you are the connected one. The one that is connected to the master. Because by being connected to God, you will understand how to shine, you will understand the density that we need to apply in certain circumstances, and you will certainly understand that nothing can prevent the good work you want to do because he's instructed from him. So there will be no doubt And that's the second point, doubt. Sometimes we doubt that we are effectively able to be that light. Why? Because of our testimony. Our testimony may not be the best. Road raging, you know, swearing here and there, you know, going to dark places at night, and doing the things we should have been doing. But the Bible says people see, right? Our testimony needs to edify people. It needs to bring the message of God. It says in that scripture that we looked at today, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Not that so that they may see your dodgy Christian work and glorify God in heaven, right? Because we are all dodgy in a way, right? Right? We come here and we are holier than thou, right? We come on Tuesday and we come on Wednesday and we come every day, but then during the week, not even five minutes in the presence of God. Now I tell you what, what I admired with my son is that when he wakes up, even if he's in the midst of a nightmare, the things that he does, he cries, Daddy, and the first thing in the morning, or Mommy, sorry, by all means, but the first thing that he does in the morning is to run into the room to give a hug to the parents. Are we giving that holy hug to God every morning? Are we giving God the thankfulness that He deserves as our Father? Just to say, Hi, Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for keeping me out of, you know, this night. Because evil is around us. It's not only in Strawberry Street. It's everywhere. Strawberry <laughs> <It's probably> Fair. <laughs> right? It's around us. Evil is at the door. But He comes. Hi, Daddy. Hi, Mommy. Is that hug? And it's very important because that gives joy to the Father. God is mindful of us. The Bible says he will bless us. He is mindful of each and every one of you as you sit and as you listen. But he also wants that relationship. It was never to, meant to be one-way traffic. It was always to be, you know, relationship. And you cannot have a relationship if it is only coming the same way from the same angle. We need to give back to God. We need to tell God we appreciate him. We need to love him. We need to pray to our God. So that when we pray unto our master and he say, yes, I've heard your prayer and I'm grateful today. I want to commission you there. We can't say no because we love him. He say in John that, you know, if you love me, you will do what I command you to do. If you love me. So it's no good to say, Lord, I love you. And then you and I don't do what God asks us to do. Then we are not the Christians that God wants us to be. So we need to be mindful of this. Challenges that we do face as well are around the fact that we are sometimes self-indulging and we neglect others. And this is a big challenge for Christian work, and it's being challenged to being able to bring that light into people's lives. Because if you think about yourself, you will never think about others. It's self-explanatory. But what is actually behind it is the fact that you will never be able to lay down your life for people. And Jesus is asking that, he say, I've come to lay down my life, right? I lay down my life for the people. And he's asking that we do the same. So laying down your life for a brother or for a sister or for somebody who is yet to know Christ means that you forget about yourself. Because anyway, Even if you think about yourself more, you can't help your situation. God can. You forget about yourself, it means... Well, I know I was going that way, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to bring somebody home, to help to bring somebody home. Oh, I know I was rushing, but you know what? I've just heard this brother or sister is struggling. I can pray with, with him or her. You know what? God has given me a word. Yes, I'm rushing. Some, I can give that word. I can be on my knees in my bedroom praying for people. And when I'm out, oh, I see this person every time doing the same thing on the street, and he looks so desperate, and stop by and say, hey. Everything is not the way it is. You know, there is more behind. There is light behind. There is hope behind. There is life behind. There is Jesus. There is Jesus. And on Tuesday, I was saying something. How many of us still smile when we say the name Jesus? How many of us still smile when we say the name Jesus? Jesus' name above all names. Smile bring, means it, it comes from joy, right? We should have that joy in saying the name of our master. We should have that joy in telling people that, you know, it's not be all and end all. There is more behind. Hold on. Stay tight. The race is on. God will help you. Yes, it's not good right now, but it doesn't have to be. It will not remain. My God is able to do that which I can't. My God is able to turn your situation around. I am able to pray and God shifts the mountain aside. I'm able to persevere and carry you so that I bring you before my God who will then clean you and make you whole. How much? How many of us have patience to continue to pray for people we say we will pray for? To see the soul saved, not to do as an exercise, but as something that is genuinely out of our heart? We can only do that if we are connected to the source of life. We can only have that light that is shining bright if the connection is there, if the willingness is there, in forgetting about ourselves is there, if the challenges that come are just viewed as distractions. Because once you are on that track, there's still an end, right? You are either a winner because you cross that line or not because you fail to cross the line. Then again, if we look at the fact that people will always be antagonistic to what we want to do. People will always be antagonistic. Jesus Christ said that the light, the world is darkness, and the darkness is not comprehended. And people were opposing me, and people were opposing the works of God. And people wanted to kill off the hope that Christ brings. Now... It is easy when we get connected with the wrong people or where we get entangled in so many things to forget that we can actually run with purpose, to forget that situations can change and to start becoming and looking and being miserable. Oh, miserable. Have you heard about this uh, movie Les Miserables, the French movie, right? You've heard about that? You've seen the movie? It's one of the night shows in London, so please go and get tickets. If you want, I've never done so, but I've, I've been taught and I've, been, I've learned about the miserable. And the settings of the miserable in the 19th century of France, history, is that is the story of both miners, the people who go into mine, the mining workers. They go deep down into the, the ground and then extract things. It's a very sad story. It's a story where they are continually in a dark environment where there is no hope, where there is no light, where they have not even anything to sub, you know, sustain them, themselves. But there's something out of the Miserable that is coming true. It's always that at every single episode and for every single character, there's always hope that things will get better. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to tell people that there is hope, that there is hope that is a real hope, that there is hope that we are conveying and conducing that hope for people to have something to hold on to. Our God is able, our God is mighty, our God is awesome, our God is powerful, our God is true, our God is real, our God is caring. Our God is in love with us. And is also in love with the people that need that light. So we should just look at it and think about it as we are that lamp setting on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are that lamp that God has commissioned to shine brightly In any area, any walk of life, we have that power and that energy coming from God. We have that direction given by God. We have that purpose that comes from heaven so that that light comes into the world and into the lives of our families and friends and relatives and people we get in touch with. Let's make no mistake about it. It's probably one of the biggest things that will ever be asked to do, being that light. Because somebody was a light into my life and I gave my life to Christ. Somebody was able and courageous to tell me that Jesus Christ loved me, even if I was sending them away. That's another problem that we do have. Courage. We don't always have courage. Because we see the situations and we fear. We are fearful. I can't go to Strawberry Fair. I can't go to that place because they will eat me alive. Because I don't know what kind of people are there. Ooh, sorcery, black magic, witchcraft. Ooh. Um, thank you, Pastor. I think I have another appointment. Why? <laughs> right? Because we don't have the courage. For the children of God, God expects courage. He told Joshua to be strong, to be courageous. He told people that the enemy that you see today, you will see them no more. I will defeat them. I, the Lord, will defeat them. But just be strong. Just be courageous. Just stand strong. Just go with purpose. Just let your light shine. Don't allow the sinking ship on the sea. Don't allow your lighthouse not to display that warning signs to people. Because they are already sinking. But they may be closer to the harbor than you think they are. And you might be that light that gives them direction. And that helps them to get that anchor in the harbor. Don't give up. Don't let go. present with purpose. Because God is with us. And I think that what I, I just want to really look at the fact is, I mentioned earlier that, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. He put the light in it and he did his artwork and he did the beautiful works of creation. Jesus came and really said something. He said that really, in, he said, in Romans 8, and if you can get the picture, he says that he foreknew us, right? And he foreknew us to be conformed to the image of his son. He foreknew us to be conformed to the light and the brightness that is shining through his son. He conformed us to replicate that, that, that brightness into the world. That's what he did. So that he might be Christ, the firstborn of many brethren. And he says in 28, go therefore. Do not hold back. Do not stay behind. Do not look at your own circumstances. Do not look at, at the fact that you feel a bit crippled, you feel a bit tired, you feel weary, you feel you are not worthy. Do not, do not, do not look at it. Look at Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Speak to your influence network speak to people with purpose don't be miserable when you speak to them they will not see joy in you they will not want what you have because if they see how bright you shine they will want to know that i have friends when i gave my life to christ i completely got completely changed me 360, and they say, wow, I need to come. I need to come to England. I need to come and see what the Lord has done for you. I need to understand what is the source of that joy. What is the source of that hope? I need to come and see. Many people need to come and get closer to you. Don't keep them at Don't Don't keep them away from you. You might be the only person that God can use in the life of one single soul. And the heavens will rejoice for that soul. Don't hold back. Why are you holding back? You are weak and weary and tired. God will lift up your hand. Your light is not shining. God will give you that power to shine through. But you need willingness, purpose, abnegation of self. Now there is another thing that I want to extract. If we can have look, open our Bible to Luke 19, because for me it is a very much an example that. The Bible talks about Zacchaeus in Luke 19.1. And really the story of, for those who have read it, really, for the New King James Version or whichever version, is a very, very telling story, right? Normally it will apply to unbelievers who are actually searching God's we are unbelievers who get, want to get closer to God. But I felt that there is something in there that we who are believers can apply in our mission to be that light. And that's taken from the story of, of Luke 19. So we read the story of uh, of of um, Luke 19 for, for a couple of minutes. It's really, I will take it from Luke 19, uh, 1 to 10. We say, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. No, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. I want you to read the tax collector or the unbeliever, you know, was in town and heard that you were coming. And he wanted to see you, who you were. He wanted to see who is that ambassador of Jesus Christ who is coming Not Jesus. Jesus has come and done what he wanted to do. Now you, somebody heard you are coming in place. You are coming to a party. You are coming to visit. The people know you are Christian and displaying the good fruits of the Spirit. And they want to come and see who you are in Christ Jesus. They run to see you. Because they know they will get something out of you to have them holden. So, he sought to see who Jesus was. He could not because of the crowd, for it was of short stature. Do you know how many people want to hear the message of the gospel? Do you know how many people are hungry for the things of God? And who cannot? Because there are obstacles around them. Because people are discouraging them. Because people are telling them, there is no truth in the Bible. There is no truth in the gospel. There is no life in Jesus Christ. Do you know how many people are struggling every single day? Just get out of, of, of the street, of, of this church. Go to the street. Just be opening your ears to the cries. They are loud, the cries of those who are desperate for Christ. Who are we to hold that up? He was a short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed upon a sycamore tree to see him. He was going to pass that way and then, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. And come down for today. I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and Zacchaeus came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, <laughs> when who saw it? It's the people who were with Jesus. The disciples, the people who were following the master saw Jesus going with an unbeliever. We, the church, see Jesus going to an unsaved and we criticize. Because we don't understand what it means to be a light in people's life. And then he's gone with a guest with a man with a sinner. But that's what we ought to do. That's what we ought to do. We need to go out and bring that light in sinners' lives. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore fourfold. And Jesus told him, today, not tomorrow, but today, salvation has come into this house because he also is the son of Abram. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Have you ever lost something of value? A ring for those who are married, a wedding ring for those who have cars, their car keys um for those who are okay oh yes internet banking those who have bank accounts most of us have losing your pin your password your pin sentry. have you ever lost something that is precious now hold on, hold that thought how much effort do you make to find it jesus does not stop to find the lost he will never stop But he knows that we should do the same. We should not stop finding and seeking the lost. We should not stop carrying that light. It might have a different density from time to time because things happen and life is so difficult. And we all understand that and God certainly knows. But the light should still be available to shine. Because as much as Job said that even the light will not bring that darkness, our light in Christ Jesus will always put darkness away. But we should go to the extent that we let that light shine. Zacchaeus said something. He went to the sycamore tree, which represents, maybe his only hope, being very short. People might come to you just because you represent their only hope. They might not necessarily know, oh, the pastor of King's Church they might not know the vicar in their area. They might just know you. It's more than enough for God. And it should be more than enough for you. And for me, to open our mouth and to be that light. So today, what is the reason that we have not to be lights? We don't have any. And that's the good news for some and the sad news for others. But we don't have any reasons not to be light. We don't have any reasons to continually focus on what doesn't work because there will always be things that don't work. God wants us to work and to be effective and to be, remember, optimal Christians because for each one, everything that we do will be accounted for. We will be answerable to God on that day about what we've done. If we look at the verse in Hebrew, the scripture in Hebrews 12, it tells us something. So, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, since many people see us, since there are so many people around that see us—that's the way I simplistically put it—let us lay aside every weight, the things that we have on our back, on our knees, the things that we carry, the load that we carry that prevent us from running. With that light up eye, let us lay aside any such thing. Let us lay that aside and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let's run with endurance that is a God-given endurance for a God-given race that is set before us by the Master, looking unto the Master, Jesus Christ, who is the the, the only author and the one who has completed our faith and given us that measure of faith that we can use every single day for the joy, not for the pain, for the light, for the hope, for the joy that was set before him. He enjoyed the cross and despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But you know what? Let me have it. He sat down having brought the light into the world. Having released that light to each and every one of us and asking us that we do carry that light into that world. Should we or should we not? The choice is ours. The mission is set, the race is on, but the choice is ours. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback.